It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the first game of the, the new season where Connacht travelled to Cardiff. On the Zoom call tonight, I've got William Davis. Good evening, Alan. And Niall Shiel. Good evening, Alan. Okay, before we talk to the lads, let's have a few snippets of both press conferences today. We've got Cardiff coach Da Young, and we also have the Connacht club captain, Jared Butler, followed by Andy Friend. Yeah, Cardiff, Friday night. Um, what are you expecting from them? Um, they've relayed their pitch, so it might be a little bit uh, a little bit different, even again, to what it usually is. Um, you had two home dingers against them last year. It finished one each, so uh, you'll only play them once this season. Yeah, I think, you know, we haven't had a, a huge amount of success over there, but those games have always been really tight, and I think that's um, pretty much how most teams fare against Cardiff. It's always a, a really close game. It's always, you know, one try, two try affair uh, to score difference, sorry. So uh, I think, like you said, we, we spoke about fast. I think they're a, they're a very fast team as well. So it's not going to be uncomfortable for them, especially, like you said, with the pitch that they've got. Um, you know, it's newly laid. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe it might be even, even better again for them. Uh, so it's going to be a huge challenge. But I think if we are able to go over there and... Uh, and put the work that we've been training for the last 10 weeks into action, I think it'll be a really good game regardless. And uh, I think we'll be able to win. The next five weeks are the key to the first part of the season. I suppose it'll be a 15-week cycle at that stage. But it seems as if you, every team, you won't want to be chasing in terms of where you are wins and losses after five rounds. And that, that applies to every side. If you look at the way the rest of the season st- stretches out, it's, it's a, you need a fast start here. Yeah, agree. No, you, you do, and and uh, you know, we've been guilty in the last few years of maybe not getting the, the start that we've wanted. So uh, we're very aware of that. Um, we've got Cardiff away, as we know, on Friday night. That's going to be that's going to be a really tough game for us. They're a, a formidable outfit. They're very very hard uh, to knock over over there. I think we've had two successes in the last ten years, so it's not an easy game. So we are aware of that, but our intention is to start well and uh, and and hopefully if we're if we're at our best, um, it would be a really impressive win for us. We've had success over at the Aviva against Ulster, uh, and that's without fans. So I think there's an excitement to be able to go back there uh, and be able to play, hopefully, in front of a lot more kind of fans than what you'd probably be able to, to fit in the sports ground. Uh, you know, the facility there is pretty... It's, it's, it's one of the best in the country, uh, and... I think most everyone that I've spoken to is really excited to get the opportunity to play a game over there. Like you said, we've had success over there before. Uh, you know, it's disappointing not to be at the sports ground, but the uh, the opportunities, the positives definitely uh, outweigh the negatives. I thought straight away, I'd love to give our players a platform to play in front of, in front of hopefully 20,000, 30,000 people would be brilliant. Um, so that was the first thing that sprung into my mind. And I actually think Interpro Games, as, as I've now learned, they are massive here. Uh, and And I think... You know, given we've had 18 months with no crowd, um, I think we could we could get a big crowd there. We've got a lot of supporters, a lot of Connacht supporters up in Leinster. Great opportunity for them just to to head down the road now and and uh, uh, and get a ticket at the Aviva. I would imagine most, if they know that we're playing Ulster at the sports ground, they're going to say, "Well, there's only eight and a half thousand tickets there. We're probably not a chance of getting in, so we'll stay at home and watch it." So, um, I think one of the smart things that Connacht did, though, they did go and talk to to the Connacht clan and, and say, listen, here's what we're thinking. What do you guys reckon? So it wasn't without consultation with 
with our main supporter group uh, and the feedback that came back was, yeah, we'd be happy to head to Aviva. So it's done in consultation with our key supporter group, um, done in consultation with myself as the coach and therefore the team uh, and, and all, all thumbs were up for it. So I see it as a brilliant opportunity to head up to the Aviva. Last time we played, I'll strap with the Aviva. We had a good win. Um, so that doesn't frighten us. Uh, and I just think it's a great opportunity to play on a big stage and, and, uh, you know, give the boys the chance to, to play in front of a lot of people. And of course, if you want to hear the full press conference, um, audio press conference from today, you can go to patreon.com slash craggy rugby. Okay, William, you were there asking questions. Sounded fairly positive about the new season. Yeah, I think the big story is that the Ulster Games move into the Aviva on October the 23rd. Um, that came up right at the end of the press conference. Um it's an interesting decision. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a, I don't know whether it's a good development or a bad development. I mean, it's all right saying they, they beat Ulster up there last year in August when there was nobody there. They didn't beat Munster the following week. But I think it's, it's October the 23rd is the day after the uh, government restrictions in the Republic of Ireland end, we hope. That's the, the, the target date. So this has been looked upon maybe as some sort of a celebration match where, in theory, they can fill the whole of the Aviva Stadium on that date. Mm. And the, the plan is, I suppose, to see how many people will be interested in going. Facilitates Connacht fans who are not based in Galway. Uh, does mean that Connacht fans from Connacht are going to have to get to Dublin. It's easy enough here in Galway. You jump on the motorway, you're there in two hours alone for the traffic. But different if you're coming from Mayo and Sligo and if you have had other plans for that weekend. I will point out it's the bank holiday weekend, uh, which means that if you're planning to stay up, accommodation and stuff could be difficult to find and a bit pricey. But it's just something different. And it's announcing it today right on top of the start of the new season. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a story, and we'll see how that works out. The rest of the press conference was uh, interesting. Jared Butler situation. Interesting to see what Niall thinks of this as well. Uh, he's club captain. He explained it. Andy Friend explained it. Um, good bit of positivity around, but a realization they need a fast start, and they are trying to change the way they play. Di Young talks about a bit with that with Cardiff as well, that he's he's demanding more from them in terms of the way they play. Um, so it could be an interesting night on Friday. I, I, fair play to Di Young. He says, this game won't finish three each. <laughs> it certainly won't. And Niall, before we start talking about Cardiff, we, we'll, we'll talk about Cardiff near the end of the podcast. I want to go back. I want to just circle back to this, this Aviva thing. Is, is this a possibility that maybe there's, if, if Connacht had to move out of for a European game, if they had to move out of the sports ground for whatever reason, that they'd be looking at the Aviva rather than Thoman Park. Is that is? Do you see that as a possibility now that we're we're looking at playing a game up there, regular season game up there? Yeah, possibly. Uh, this got me straight out of left field. I tell you, I, <laughs> I didn't see this coming at all. At all, um, I, you know, um, I don't know what to say. I, I'm really I'm kind of shocked by it. It'll be nice. I mean, if um, I think it's well worth trying, isn't it? Mm. And mm. while I wouldn't like to do it for a Munster or Leinster home game, um, you know, I think maybe the Ulster game is the game to do it for. 
it's probably the best one to do it for as opposed to um, you know a game against one of the other teams in the competition uh, yeah listen I'm enthused by it but uh, and it'd be nice it will be very nice to watch Connacht up there it certainly will it certainly will um, yeah I, I think the other thing is it's just possible it's just possible yeah at the IRF you are having a look and going hmm a bit like they do in Wales Judgment Day Mm. Um, but then, you know, Leinster have thirty-five thousand people going to the Bulls game tomorrow night. So, or it's not tomorrow night; it's Saturday night. What am I talking about? Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But maybe they're looking at that. Uh, but what's the harm in having, uh, you know, two provinces that have not played a competitive game there in front of a crowd? They have played each other. It's a national stadium. The IRFU mm. own it. Um, so let's let's and, see and what there's, happens. There's a whole whack of Connacht fans, as you say, who live in the east. We we know from our podcast listening listenership that you know a good thirty forty percent of the listeners actually are in and around the Dublin area because lots of people work up there. It's the capital. It's where the majority of people live in the country. You know, a huge majority of people people live you know within a sort of thirty forty mile radius of the city. So it's maybe not such a bad idea after all. Proof Plus, will be in the proof will be in the pudding when it, when he turn yeah. up. That's that's true, and I mean, even your rugby fan, your average rugby fan up there, will you know? I'd say a lot, a lot of them would go to the game as well. You know, um, I'd say, listen. My opinion is worth giving it a go, and we'll see. We'll see from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, back to the back to the rugby and the, the something that came up today, and something we were we were aware of, and we I meant to bring it up at the preseason. Or at the season preview podcast, but I, I forgot. Um, Jared Butler, club captain, which I think is a is a good thing, but he's he's also still non-Irish qualified, which makes it kind of awkward because we've got a few non-Irish qualified players in the squad now, and and I'm assuming we're still looking for a short-term replacement or a short-term cover for for Dennis Buckley, who's going to be out for quite a while. That you know, making an NIQ player could be quite difficult. What are your thoughts, Packy? Um, I'm I'm shocked that he's not. Um, I know he hasn't played or whatever. I'm shocked that he's not eligible to play for Ireland. Um, uh, now as it is because he, um, you know, he's here so long, and I thought he came in before uh, that the three year went to five year thing, and it, I'm sure that was said in press releases enough of times. Um, sure, listen if. As the saying goes, it is what it is. If if he's if he's not, and they said the end of this season, so I'm assuming that means himself and um, Ben O'Donnell and John Porch. John Porch are the three then, um, because as I understand um, it, you're Leva Fafita. As I understand it, they qualify. Um, somebody from the Pacific Islands qualifies as a callback or as a ah, coach. Okay. And, okay. That's that's my understanding of that. I went looking for it there before, and I think that's the case. Um, so uh, I, I'm, and I think that's why there's so many of them um, players from Tonga, Fiji, and Samoa all over uh, France, basically playing, and in the UK as well, I believe. Uh, okay. that's one of okay. the main reasons. So, um, but yeah, yeah I, the, I, mean, the I mean, club captain thing I thought was it was kind of unusual or whatever, but. Uh, you know, I can see the logic behind it as well. He's not going to play every game. Um, in fact, when he does play a, a sustained period, series of games, um, he has had a tendency to get injured as well. So, um, and I think that's the case for an awful lot of players. So maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing. 
And something one of our, our patrons brought up um, as he chatted to uh, he chatted to us on patreon.com slash craggyrugby with Tim Shine, who mentioned the fact that we sort of glossed over some of the new laws during our, our uh, season preview. And one law we, we completely forgot about was the 50-22, which, of course, is really designed for someone as clever a kicker as, as Jack Carty, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jack, uh, you know, he's brilliant coming again, coming back against the grain um, from the middle of the, you know, from, a, let's say, a scrum or something on the middle of the pitch. And he'll um, he'll bounce that ball into the 22, no problem. Um Surprised didn't see it the last day, um, but maybe he's keeping it in the back pocket. So you wouldn't know. <laughs> is this something, William? You're, you're, are, are you a fan of this this rule? Yeah, I'm, I'm more a fan of this one. Willis Halaholo on the Cardiff press conferences they answered my question. I, I was just chatting to him, and he said he thinks it might create a bit more space. The idea, I suppose, is if you can't just come up in a defensive line if you know that you've got an opposition kicker who can. They've got to be a good kicker, but Jack Carty can do this. We've seen some of his touch finders where he bounces it into touch in the 22. Obviously, he doesn't, under the old law, have the throw in. But if you've got an, a creaking line out in the opposition, it's as, you know it's an attacking opportunity. He's good at it. Some out-halves aren't, but you have to be able to spiral kick to mm. get it to really work. Um, but it does mean, in theory, that they're going to have to keep maybe more people back, which creates space in the middle. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. Uh, obviously, it has to be kicked from within your own half and bounced in the opposition's 22. That's the the plan, yeah, and it's yeah. an experimental I think, one. I, I, I think Connor Fitz is, is pretty decent at it as well, but, you know, um, it'll be fascinating to see how Connacht adapt to this with their their new systems that they have. You know, adaptability, hey, there's another one to adapt to. Um, okay, and, and, and talking about adapting, there's a, a Connacht player playing for Ireland who seems to have adapted to the the international game at an unbelievable rate in Bavin Parsons. Scores again at the weekend as Ireland managed to get a great win against Italy in the World Cup qualifiers. But the run that she made, what she called a clearance kick just outside the 22, and I think she bet something like 12 Italian players before it took three of them to drag her to the ground and then Ireland went and scored a try from the, the subsequent replay. But it was great to see a Connacht player. You know, we, we, we talked about it in the, the season preview about is there an element of where Connacht starting to be disrespected as well as the women's game? And then you get something like that. Like from the, the very first moment I saw her in, a, in an Interpro at, at the age of 14 playing for the under-18s or 15 playing for the under-18s. And she stood up two players with, you know, the first touch of the ball. I went, oh my God, look at that. And then she did it three or four times. Her first international appearance was against Canada and she came off the bench and almost scored a try with her first touch. Took three players to hold her up over the line. Her first appearance for Connacht in an Interpro was a semi-final a few years back and she scored a hat-trick. This player is astonishing and we need to see more of her. Yeah, we certainly we certainly do. Um, Ireland beat Italy, but they should have had a few more points on the board, and that's what's probably going to be, be an issue for them on Saturday. But look, uh, she's the star player. There's, there's no question about it. They 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 seem unable to get her into the game, and I think she, far be it from me, but I think she needs to be coached a bit to come and look for the ball, because once she has the ball in hand, uh, anything's possible. And the opposition know that, and they look absolutely scarified when she starts running at them 
So if you're going to leave her out on the wing, you've either got to get her the ball more often or get her into play. The, the, the break was phenomenal. It was a, Italy couldn't kick the ball all day. It, it, it's what cost them the game. But that's how you punish it, mm. by taking off, splitting a defence apart and leaving them gobsmacked. And hopefully on Saturday against uh, Scotland at 5pm, where they will know exactly what they have to do, there's more to come. Because uh, some some of the attack lines and uh, look, I'm not a coach, but you're you're watching Ireland attack it, and they're so flat to the line that she's getting the ball and she's standing still. She's no choice, and they're out there. They're on a camp. They must be practicing every day. Just concentrate on passing the ball across the line accurately with a bit of speed and set her free, and. She can stand them up. She can run round them, through them. And you can see the panic in their faces because there's two and three people going for her. And then there's an offload available. It's very simple. It's easy for me sitting here in my chair. But yes, superstar. And I'm tempted to think that her rugby career will develop further if she comes out of Ireland and goes into a setup in the UK and France. Her choice, nothing to do with me. But I think the sky's the limit because when you've got that speed... And the skill, and you 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 get coached, yeah. Any, anything is possible. And the the Irish women's team at the moment needs a little bit. It's lacking a little bit of something. Um, we saw that dramatically against Spain, but now uh, there's a there's a very simple plan there if they can execute it on Saturday. And I think Scotland will be no different. If if she gets the ball in the right place, she will score. I agree. What do you? What are, what are your thoughts, Niall? I, like for me, she's almost a female Brian O'Driscoll, and that what she's done for the women's game is what O'Driscoll did back in two thousand and did a spark. Uh, I don't think Brian O'Driscoll is as good as her, uh, relatively <laughs> speaking. Honestly, no, honestly, I, mean, I genuinely mean it. Um, she's like she's an absolute phenomenon, um, and kind of what William is saying there. I hope there doesn't become this uh, idea of you know shoveling the ball out to her and hoping she'll do something like they need to they need to get her on the ball they need to use her in different parts of the pitch and uh, and uh, like at the for the first while you can see every now and again um, Stacey Flood she's got a real she's got a great passing game and uh, she can you know put her into space but they need to they need to hold a few of the inside defence before they give it to her. But she's uh, phenomenal. Like her, she's her feet are as quick as anything you know I've ever seen. Um, you know, for change in direction, and it's just amazing to watch. But like, uh, like William's saying there, I'm not even sure. I, I think the RFU should spend the money on keeping her here because uh, people will go to watch her play. Um, they mightn't go to watch every player play, male or female, but they, you know. You'd go to a game if you knew if you knew she was playing in Galway now. This you know you'd head into the game. You go watch it. So and I think that's how you make it successful. You have to keep your superstars and you know she has the possibility or the potential to be a world superstar, and they have to harvest that. They certainly do. They certainly do. Well, best to look to the women as William said, playing Scotland in that final round robin game for the World Cup pre qualifiers on Saturday evening. Hopes. Everybody tunes in at five o'clock and cheers them on. Okay, William, got a big news out today, of course, now that we're back into the start of the season, the injury update. Who's injured? Who's not? Yeah, okay, here we go. Uh, Leva Fafita has a finger injury, won't be available for Cardiff, should be back in training next week. 
Uh, Colm Riley has sustained an ankle injury, which will be out of action. Be out of action for a number of weeks. So we're now a little bit stuck at scrum half because Caelan Blade has an Achilles injury. So Hubert Gilvary seems to be the cover player that's being mentioned. Bundyaki has a neck injury. Um, and he will probably be back for the fourth match, which is Munster uh, away. Sam Elo has a foot injury and no specified time for him to come back. Sean Masterson has an Achilles injury. Peter Robb has a back injury. Uh, Alex Wooden has a calf injury. Their kind of two to four weeks is seems to be the, 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 the issue for them to come back training. Dennis Buckley knee, we know, is rehabbing and it's going to be after Christmas. And Gavin Thornbury uh, is rehabbing from his shoulder uh, surgery, which he had in May. So they're long term. So it's it's not horrendous, but you would like to see, as well as that, we can add in um, Shane Bolton has a slight knock. So of the five newly signed players, Mac Hansen is ready to go. Sam Elo, we've just discussed. Leave Fafita. Greg McGrath is ready to go. Shane Bolton isn't. Um, but again, it's minor. But it's just, uh, it's part of rugby. Um, Cardiff today reported a full, uh, fully healthy team. But then, and this Connacht are probably quite happy about this, Josh Adams uh, is on lion's rest, as is uh, Josh Navidi. Oh, much and all as I would love to see the two of them, um, and much and all as uh, you would, uh, you know, they've they've got uh, Willis Halahola and uh, Ray Lilo in <laughs> in the centre, uh, and that's a dangerous partnership. But at this stage, no side ever has a full complement of players. It's just part of the job of being a coach and being the medics. You're juggling these guys around all the time. You certainly are. Okay. So just before we preview that Cardiff game, as William was just alluding to it, someone, uh, Colm Grimes, a, a long-term patron of the podcast, has come up with an interesting point that we raised during the during the season preview where we talked about sponsorship and what was going on with Vodacom sponsoring the South African thing. How come they didn't have a title sponsor? Um, he made the point that it's probably to do with the fact that each country-specific conference needs to have a sponsor which to me sounds like a bit of a new twist on, on that old thing. What what are your thoughts, Niall? Um, I, don't, I don't watch a huge amount of um, soccer, uh, but I seem to remember in the, cha- the Champions League that they did something similar, that they had no title sponsor, they had a bank of sponsors. I, I may or may not be right on that. Just, that was just um, when you were saying uh, that that was coming on. I remember thinking that, that it had that before. I imagine each... I, I had thought that each um, each country or each uh, shield, as they're calling them, mm-hmm. shield, mm-hmm. Um, would have their would have their own um, sponsor. Um, my understanding is Vodacom is Vodafone. Um, uh, they're for, I, I'm not sure why they're not called that in South Africa, but that was my understanding of that. Like that could be wrong, but I I I, I had thought that. Um, so maybe. Vodafone hashtag team of us might like to um, sponsor the the Irish section. I don't know what to say. I mean, the there probably isn't enough money in it for one sponsor to take over everything. So uh, yeah, I shared the love and uh, get it in whatever which way I could. Yeah, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Okay, 
let's finish let's finish off with the the preview of Cardiff um yeah this these are the I know it was Cardiff rugby back in 2001 the first ever game we played in the Celtic league was against Cardiff in Cardiff and they were full of Lions and Welsh stars at the time and who'd, who'd been top quality players and, and kind of came out with a 6-3 win which I think Dion said certainly wouldn't be as low scoring as that at the weekend William are you expecting something bigger than a, a 6-3 scoreline um, in Cardiff on Friday night yeah yeah it's uh, they're back calling themselves Cardiff Rugby actually they, they've relaunched themselves as that the Blues are no longer with us um, it was interesting I thought today the the mood it was a more buoyant mood in the Connacht press conference. I don't think Dai Young was exactly he wasn't promising anything. You know, he was brought in to try to fix the situation there, and he he kept pointing out that the best they finished in the last ten seasons is seventh. And he was constantly he said that three or four times. He's making the point. He was obviously most of the media that were there were Welsh. Um. Cardiff are always expected. They're the team that are expected to produce things in Wales. Uh, they're, you know, they're the capital city club. They have the ground in the middle of the city. Uh, there's a bit of envy about them because they're always looked upon as having money. And I think there's a bit of pressure from that. And he wasn't, you know, he was pretty direct and saying, we have a big job on Connacht are a good side. They're, they're tight games. They, they play a very similar game. Hmm. Uh, fast tempo, passing. Uh, I think probably on the ground, uh, Cardiff are a better side, or certainly showed that in the away game last year. They Connacht were very impressive when they probably that might have been Connacht's best home win um, mm-hmm. of the season in some ways at home last year. I thought because it was a competent display right through the team, uh, but it's a big ask. The, the two guys, uh, Halahoa and Lilo in midfield, are very dangerous players. They 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 will run. They will go for it. But Connacht are set up to go that way as well. And it'll be interesting to see who gets a, a spin for them. Uh, Mac Hansen, two tries last week for the Eagles, admittedly against a, you know, a, a very understrength uh, Leinster side. He might be somebody to bring a bit of a spark with with Wooten out, uh, but the forwards are going to have a lot of work as well. Uh, there's no Quinn Roo anymore, but you've Alton Delan, who I'm assuming is going to start, and I would think uh, either Niall Murray or Rushing Dowling is going to be beside him. They're the engine room, and you know, no Dennis Buckley. He's a kind of you know, this is you just assume that he's going to be there, mm. and he's not going to be there. So that so the front row is going to be you know, slightly, slightly different again. If you're asking me to call it, I think Cardiff will win. That's just on sort of law of averages. Uh, I think they're a difficult side to beat at home. The pitch has been freshened up currently, um, which it was for the under 20s, but it's still an artificial pitch and Connick's record on them is a little bit in and out. So it's, it's a tough one. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going over to watch the game and uh, to commentate on it. I hope I'm proven completely wrong and we bring back a Connacht win. But if you're asking me to, to nominate it, I think it'll be tight. But I think Cardiff at home might just at the first game of the season with Connacht's new system. And they are talking about this. 
in the you know Andy Friends talked about it last night on Galway Bay. He talked about it again in the press conference. That is going to take time to bed in. Uh, how they're setting up to play, this might be a bit of a stretch too far. But then again, you never know. And as I say, Cardiff weren't you know Die Young today was pretty. He wasn't downbeat, but he he was not making predictions. He wasn't sitting there being flash about what he thinks. Uh, and he made a very good point, and I suppose all coaches. He said, if we win on Friday, it doesn't fix everything, and we lose on Friday, it doesn't mean everything can't be fixed. And that's the thing. But I suppose in an 18-game season, when you have five games at the start, you want to start with a win. Um, but I just think it might be beyond Connacht on this occasion. Nice. Niall, like you're looking at Connacht's away record last year, it was pretty incredible. It was their best away performance ever in any leagues and the amount of games that they won away from home. Do you think it's something they're going to be able to continue in a, in a tough place like Cardiff, if I remember rightly? The only win they've had there since 2001 was that sort of last-minute drop goal that uh, Tiernan O'Halloran managed to wobble over the bar. and it, How it made over the bar, I'll never know because it was a dreadfully struck kick, but it managed to get over. The game, they should have won quite easily, if I remember rightly. But yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty ugly, but it was effective. Do you think it's, it's something they can do at the weekend? They can, I suppose. I'm kind of, you know, there's um, sure it depends on what team has been picked. Um, without even seeing him, a full game of him playing, you'd imagine that Leva Fafita not being there is uh, is a massive blow just because of his size. Um, because one thing, all right, um, against London Irish they didn't do too well because of the lack of, um, you know, ballast. So. Uh, Cardiff themselves, it's great that um, Josh Adams and. Um, the other bloke, what's his name? Uh, Josh Navidi. Josh Navidi aren't playing. Um, the third two cracking players. Uh, going through their squad, they've still have an awful lot of talent there. Um, I mean that uh, that out half Jared Evans, he was started playing really well. Um, towards the end of last season, I think he got a couple of Welsh caps. Uh, off the back of it, uh, solid centre partnership. Um, yeah, there's some good players there. I mean, I think Connacht and Connacht can get something out of this. It'll be a bit. It'll be a result, but it's very hard to say at the beginning of a season. You don't know how people have what combinations like or or whatever you know. Um. So I, I would see, and it'll be interesting to see how fifty twenty two goes there because the ball tends to bounce a bit differently on a <laughs> on an artificial pitch. It most certainly does. It most certainly does. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm hoping, as as William said, that, that we see someone like Mac Hansen, you know, the other guy's not been available. We might see a new player. He did score two tries last weekend. I'm hoping we see the likes of Tom Farrell back. We haven't seen Tom Farrell in God knows how long. And this this pitch would be you'd like to think is built for someone who can step and offload. Like yeah, I was looking at our offloading stats for last season and they were pretty low. And and I think he had seventy percent of them and he only played three games. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll see a bit more running and Adaptability yeah. and he had all them in one game, Alan. Yeah, he probably did. He probably did. Um, but it, it'd be super exciting to see him coming back and and, and having someone like Mac Hansen out there doing things. And um, yeah, with a bit of luck, kind of we'll get something more than a losing bonus point. We might even get a, a a try bonus point and a winning game try bonus point at the end would be absolutely magical. Not that we ever managed to do that in Cardiff, but you never know. One, okay. one thing I think to look out for just in the way Connacht set up is and this is this is worth watching whether you're live or watching on TV they're going to try to do things a lot faster 
They've talked about the fact that they're, they were too slow last year with their lineouts. They were just ponderous when they were making decisions. They want to keep this going. Uh, it's a bit like American football where they go with a no-huddle no uh, scrimmage line just to keep going. And that's up to your, uh, you know, that's up to your Jack Carties and it's, it's, uh, or somebody in the forwards to keep hustling. They want to hustle. Hmm. And I'll be fascinated to see how that works because that can unsettle teams especially if the opposition are going, well, we expect them to do it at this pace. Every side wants to play at their own pace. But if you can get into their heads a little bit, so just keep it. That would be someone I'd be saying to people, keep an eye out for that. They did try it a bit against London Irish. It fell off in the second half because that game got so disjointed. Um, but that's, that's just something to work on. Okay, that's it for the first midweek podcast of the, the new season. Remember, we're going to be changing up how we make these podcasts available. Um, and and these ones will be going behind the paywall. So if you if you think what we're giving is interesting and and good and worthwhile, go to patreon.com slash craggy rugby from the first of October. They will be um, five euro if you want to pay more. Yeah, we'll take whatever you can get. If you can't afford it and you just we'll still always have our match day ones. Just tell people about us. Let us let people know that we exist and that we're there supporting Connacht rugby as best we can and trying to get the information out there. So thanks, Niall. Thanks, William. We'll talk again after the match. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad and confused. Don't wait until.